welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Remember, welcome back, brother. Um, welcome back, Carter, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Peace. Peace. I sent uh, James and Ebony a, a, a request to come on live. Ebony is here, but James is probably somewhere jerking off. Now, <laughs> let's get down to serious business, brother. We are on um, IG Live. Uh, we are on Zoom Live, and we are on Anchor Podcast Live. All three in one show. Thank God the technology, brother. Now, we ended yesterday's show with some uh, serious implications of uh, what we have to do as people. A realization that um, somehow we're not going to get rid of racism. So it is up to each individual to take on this collective code or mindset that we are going to rid ourselves of this plague at least um, in our thinking because we cannot get rid of it in reality because we can't change other people's behavior but we can change the way we respond to such behavior especially behavior that is not conducive to our progress as a collective. The trouble is us being a collective or, or getting us to think as a collective when there's so much reward for being uh, an individual and being um, successful in that manner and no incentive for us to collectively um, attack the problem of racism, colorism, sexism, uh, genderism, all of these other isms that are plaguing not only the black family, but uh, humanity in general. Now, I know I can go on to my soapbox about saving humanity, and uh, that would get boring and tired in itself and actually should be challenged in terms of uh, creating that utopia but that's where we're going to start tonight brother okay your turn yes sir I think 
think it was a real feel-good moment for a lot of people, particularly people of color, and even some white folks that have voted for um, Barack Obama. I think that um, the reality is that Barack Obama is who we would like to think we are as a country, but Donald Trump is who we really are as a country. And I think that us suppressing or denying the reality of racism or wanting or of wanting racism to disappear is one of our biggest problems. I think the fact that we have not confronted and are not willing, and when I say we, I'm not the whole country of America, white people and black people, historically I feel like black people, there's something that um, has happened in this country uh, with people of color, particularly black people, where we don't like to make white folks feel uncomfortable. So hmm. us talking about racism, us talking about slavery, makes white folks feel uncomfortable. And what we have learned is we don't like to make white folks uncomfortable. So we don't talk about it and we don't deal with it. And, and I think psychologically, the problem with that is that white folks have now psychologically convinced black people that if they talk about racism, then they're the, then they're the ones that's racist. Hmm. And I think that we have to get away from that type of mentality. We have to get away from that type of brainwashing. And I think until we deal with the reality that racism is here, racism is not going to go away. It's almost like what we're doing now with fat shaming, what we're doing with gay shaming, what we're doing with all these other things. The one thing that we're not dealing with or have not dealt with, I think effectively is racism. We'll deal with all these other things, people being gay and, and shaming them, people being fat, people all you know, all these other things we, we are dealing with, but we're not dealing with racism. And I think until we start to deal with racism, the same way we the same way we deal with um, women not having fair um, treatment or you know in in, in the uh, work environment, the same way we deal with um, shaming fat people, the same same way we deal with uh, shaming uh, gay people is the same way we're gonna have to deal with racism. And I think that we have to get away from not making white people feel uncomfortable talking about racism. Yes, uh, one of the um, things that you described to us um, a couple of podcasts ago was the um, the fact that um, we you have cognitive dissonance, um, which is part of the um, terminology used to... Sh- to uh, demonstrate how people would separate themselves from the bad parts of um, things like racism, <clears throat> like uh, injustice, uh, social injustice, and just want to focus on the good parts, like this, the success of this nation, without... Um, wanting to deal with how that uh, nation became so successful, became so rich and powerful. Uh, To address that would, at least in their eyes, uh, the eyes of the uh, philosophy of Western um, manifest destiny, is to um, deny that part 
of the uh, tragic and uh, tyrannical history and to say let's move forward and get a job you niggas exactly what we are dealing with and which is uh, why it is important for us to have the sort of thinking that is strategic enough to deal with that elephant in the room being racism and to deal with it no matter who's uncomfortable with it. I am reminded of Dr. Khaled. He would uh, begin his speeches with uh, the uh, caveat to fasten your seatbelts brothers and sisters (laughs) because it's going to be a rocky ride but I'm sure that when I'm finished um, even the white folks in the room are going to understand what um, we are going through and what must be done Uh, and in that vein we come before you in DFN Universe, one hour of black power thinking, and we welcome you to the podcast, brothers and sisters. 
fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a rocky ride. <laughs> Next stop, Pluto and beyond. Uh, brother, we at the 12-minute mark uh, going for our first 20-minute segment. We will try to do at least three of these segments and see where we get in terms of progress on this discussion thereafter. Uh, one of the things that we discussed yesterday to piggyback on to that um, aspect of this uh, racism in America was the disparity in the way uh, security and law enforcement treated the um, protesters that um, took a siege on the Capitol in Washington, D.C., three or four days ago. Um, Eventually, um, four white people were killed. Um, But if you see the the picture of the number of people that showed up there, it's a wonder that more weren't killed. But it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Just like... um, in order to deal with the 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 um the um the horrendous uh treatment of black people during slavery and, and before and the um tyranny that was uh, subjected upon anybody that westerners encountered on the uh theme of conquest of the entire world they now presently have to distance themselves from that aspect of their past and focus on the future. It, it's like self-preservation to do so. To do otherwise would be considered by them self-defeating. Um, so that's where we're at. And I'd like your feedback on the security disparity law enforcement disparity from yesterday's protest to something like what happened with uh, Black Lives Matter in Ferguson and other places across the United States where there's been an incidence of uh, police brutality or some other form of racism which we try to protest those social injustices? Well, I I think I said it last night, but if not, um, and if I did, then I'll just repeat what I said in in that I think what we saw was a clear example of um, white privilege and white entitlement um, at its finest. I think that... um, Yes, sir. this This is the perfect example of what we see when white folks feel like not so much as what white folks feel like they see, but what white folks feel like they own. And I think that what white white folks feel like they own is this country. And so, and what Donald Trump has said historically is that he wants to make this country great again. And so to them, that means he wants to make this country white again. And I think for white folks, they feel like they were losing what they considered their country. And so this is what you, when white folks feel like they, something is being taken from them. Hmm. And so what we saw on Wednesday of, of this week, 
folks feeling like their country was being taken from them. And this is how they respond when they see or when they feel that something has been taken from them. Uh, again, when, when we look at cases like the Mar Aubrey case in Georgia, where a black guy was running through um, a community where white, white folks felt like they owned. Mm-hmm. Well, they felt like, well, if this black guy or this quote-unquote Negro can feel like he can run through this community, he must feel like it's his. Hmm. But we're going to let him know that this community does not belong to him. Hmm. And we want to let him know that he's an outsider. Not so much as an outsider as if he was a dog, because they wouldn't shoot a dog down like that. But that you are a Negro, and this is how we treat Negroes that think that they could come through our community, because this belongs to us. And so they killed him, and they killed him like an animal. Hmm. Now, isn't that, um, tragically, um, unfortunately, the the very premise of self-preservation, that we have to do this? Because if we don't protect this, we could lose it. Not just for for manifest destiny, um, just people in general. Aren't they supposed to be protective of what they have, no matter how they gained it? Take, for instance, drug dealers. They um, surreptitiously gain, uh, unfairly gain a financial advantage from selling drugs, and they have to protect that at all costs, whether you think it's criminal or not. Nothing personal, it's just business. Yeah, I think that's foolishness, bro. Um, of course it is, but um, isn't isn't that the way you have to think if you want to be a successful drug dealer? I think that's the way you need to think if you want to be a professional um, lifer in prison. Hmm. Because, I, because it goes against the laws of the country. And so those people that did what they did on Wednesday are going to go to prison. Because what those people did was they broke laws. And I don't care if Donald Trump told them to do it or whoever told them to do it. What they did was they broke laws. And even if you want to say, even if you want to go back to people like, if you talk about the drug dealers or if you go back to Jim Jones, right? And him feeling like self-preservation was killing everybody. He may, he may have felt that way, but it doesn't mean that that was right. And so I don't care if you're a gangster, I don't care if you're a preacher, I don't care if you are the president of the United States. But in this particular country, we have laws. And if you break those laws, then you're going to be held accountable for breaking those laws. And so while every drug dealer that feels that way, he ultimately is going to pay a price if he gets caught. I know that for sure. Yes, sir. And what I know for sure is those people that did what they did to that capital, each and every one of them are going to pay a price. Hmm. And so, and, and so what I understand about self-preservation, <clears throat> there's something in psychology that we, that we talk about, um, in, uh, Abraham Maslow's, um, hierarchy of need in terms of survival. And I understand, while I understand the hierarchy of need 
in terms of survival. That hierarchy of need cannot impose on other people's lifestyles and other people's living. Mm-hmm. Right? So while that hierarchy of need is, is in existence, it can't be to the existence of other people's downfall. Hmm. Because that's where you start to break the law and that's where it becomes counterproductive. Hmm. To society in general. Absolutely. And so even 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 if it was no even if it was no laws like in America there's laws that are written, right? But if it wasn't laws that were written, if you lived in a jungle, if you lived, you know, wherever you would live, there would still be rules of nature that you would have to follow. That is correct. Um, even in manifest destiny, they would have to follow some type of rule unless they begin to feed upon themselves. Absolutely. Like criminals ultimately do, especially in Absolutely. prison. It It's... Um, the way that prison works is I have to feed on you or I will be fed upon you 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 know it's interesting because you know as a kid I used to couldn't wait to become an adult <laughs> so that I could do whatever I wanted to do mm-hmm. but what I began to realize is no matter where I went in the world I was always having to follow rules hmm. right so I, it didn't matter whether I was a street, whether I was in the streets and I was a gangster, there was still rules, right? <laughs> yes, sir. There were still rules that you had to follow. Even though I was out on my own, but if I was going to be a gangster, there was rules to follow being a gangster. When I moved out on my own, I had my own, you know, my own apartment, my own place. Yes, there was sir. Still rules that I had to when I decided to make a lifestyle change and go to college, there were still rules that I had to follow. Hmm. You know, and so all through my life, as much as I was trying to run from following rules, at some point I had to realize that no matter where you go, no matter where you live, you are going to have to follow rules. Right. And that's why in the nation we have respect for authority. And uh, that is critical to keeping us out of jail in spite of our uh, ideology, uh, doctrine, that we have to have respect for authority even though it's not our authority we can um we submit to a law but we understand that that we are in a sovereignty and that sovereignty whether the 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 justice is due to them or not it has to be part of our survival mode and we are at the 23 minute mark in df and universe and we're going to uh, be passing the first segment and going into the next um, to the IG audience, which is zero. <laughs> I want to thank you for listening. We're going to terminate your <laughs> thing because I'm tired of holding two cameras in my hand and talking into another. Uh, thank the IG audience for joining us on live. Peace to you. Um, Dr. More will be right back. And we're running out of time on Zoom. So um, I'll get you right back on Zoom.
and we are back in DFN Universe. One hour of black power thinking. Welcome back, Dr. Moore. Peace to God. Peace. Yes. Um, we were talking about uh, the Western um, civilization what they had to do to survive and um, how we as the victims in that or we don't want to be victims for the rest of our lives however we have to learn to respect authority unfortunately uh, given the the amount of trauma and terror that we, uh, our ancestors endured for us to even be here today to even have these discussions, this is where we're at. Um, and um, we talked about the disparity in the security and law enforcement with the people that took a siege of the U.S. Capitol a couple of days ago. And um, we wanted to further the discussion in um, the direction of... Um, what we must do, um, at least cognitively, to combat the situation we find ourselves in. Dr. Moore, your thoughts? Of what we should do in terms of cognitively? Mm-hmm. Our thinking. What, what should our thinking be? We know that we have to respect authority, but what what should we be thinking strategically to um, eliminate this on an individual basis, the, the effects of racism? Uh, I'm using that word eliminate, but uh, bear with me. There is a way because I was explaining when I was in the Nation of Islam and the wisdom I got from studying the Supreme Wisdom and the study guides for self-improvement and the reading the Holy Quran and the Bible, the Holy Bible, all of these things manifested into a, into a type of thinking that was strategically put me out of victimization and into empowerment in terms of my thinking. I don't have to feel the effects of slavery um, as um, as much of the people's... Like, I, I, I don't think that I, it could be possible. All things are possible, but it would be less likely for me to get shot in the back by a police officer because of the way I think. Now, there is a way to um, find yourself in situations like that. It's just a luck of the draw, really, at the end of the day. But there is a way that you can think and move forward, which is why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad kept us out of the movies, kept us away from things, uh, watching stuff on TV, and anything that may distract us from our goal 
of uh, self-empowerment and building a nation. How do we translate that type of um, theology, if you if you may, um, towards people that are non-secular? They don't believe in religious uh, talk, but we can talk to them psychologically about how they should be thinking going forward. I don't know if I articulated that, uh, conveyed that properly to get a, a proper response from you, but that's where my thinking is. What is it that we should be thinking as black people to prevent us or at least um, get us more highly developed than being on the level of victims? I think you want to first start with um, perceiving yourself as a victim. I think that um, perceiving yourself as a victim is the highest level of uh, being powerless. So whatever situation that you are going to be in life, if you see yourself or you're going to see yourself as a victim, then you are always going to empower the person that is victimizing you. Hmm. And so I think you have to first remove the um, the mentality uh, of thinking that you are a victim. While you may be a victim of circumstance, I think that you have to remove yourself from being an eternal victim. Because if you are going to see yourself as a victim, you're never going to be able to empower yourself to get out of that situation. That's number one. Hmm. Yes, sir. Um, um, but I was going to let you continue. I, and, and so I think number two is be, you know, so be very careful about using the terminology of, of victim because being a victim is a very powerless, is a very powerless um, situation to be in. So you want to be very careful about understanding, um, considering yourself as a victim, because when you're a victim, you're not in a position of power and you're not allowing yourself to be in a position. Um, number two, as it relates to um, racism, I think you said something about racism, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to address that. Um, and how do we prevent ourselves from being in situations where... We're going to experience racist situations, or where we're going to experience police brutality. Uh, I don't know that I think that that's possible um, because I don't know how much control you have over someone else and their perspective of how they might see you, right? And 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 I'm saying that because I think of a, a specific situation where um, there was a brother. Um, he. I want to say he's a PhD. He's a doctor of um, one of the one of the prestigious universities. Professor, um, Professor Gates, right? Who was at his own house, and there was a white police officer that came to came to his house and saw him approaching his house, if I'm correct, and wanted to arrest him. And was asking him questions about why are you here, who are you, X, Y, Z. And the professor felt 
insulted by the the police officer's question. And at the time, Barack Obama was the president. And Barack Obama called the police officer, um, I think he called him an asshole or something like that. Um, and he ended up having to have a beer summit as a result of insulting the police officer. So w- what I'm saying is, I think that we are not, we, we should first start by understanding that we're not going to be able to control other people's perception of how they see us. We, we don't have any, we don't have any control of that. The only thing that we have control of is how we see and view ourselves. Because I think Malcolm said it best is that when white folks or white police officers see you, the first thing they see is a black face. And they don't know what your mom does, or what your dad does, or where you come from. They just see a black face. You don't have any control over that, over how they think about you. You only have control over how you are going to respond to that behavior. Yes, sir. Uh, you don't see uh, an advantage to having supreme wisdom. Studying the study guides of self-improvement. Yeah, I do. In terms of understanding what supreme wisdom is. But supreme wisdom, at the, at the end of the day, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding should manifest God. That is correct. So if you have knowledge, wisdom, but you don't have understanding, it's not manifesting, under, it's not manifesting God. Right. But you don't see that... that situations that other people find themselves in um, you can't uh, 100% avoid any situation so I won't even make that the argument but it it puts you at an, an advantage if you have the knowledge of yourself if you have well, that, that understanding does, maybe it does maybe it doesn't in the sense that it, it puts you an advantage in terms of maybe how you understand and un- how you understand and operate in terms of who you are, but it doesn't put you at an advantage of how other people might perceive you. While you may manifest God, they may manifest something different. Well, let me right? give you a better so, example. And, 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 and so, so let me say this, right? And I, I'm, I'm gonna give you a direct quote because I heard this the other day and I thought it was uh, in the lines of Supreme Wisdom. Yes, sir. Ignorance can't reconcile itself in a mirror it can't recognize itself in a mirror right mm-hmm. but but ignorance will argue with you if you call it stupid hmm yes sir now I'm gonna give credit to where that came from right I heard CeeLo having a conversation with T.I. on his podcast and expeditiously <laughs> and so I wrote it down because it made it made supreme wisdom sense to me so again I'm gonna quote this ignorance can't recognize itself in the mirror. Hmm. But ignorance can argue with you if you call it stupid. So as soon as you bring up stupidity, it prompts them to um, maybe not still not even realize who he is, but at least it prompts him to respond. So what I'm saying is, so ignorance can't recognize itself in the mirror. So ignorance doesn't know that it's being ignorant. Right. But ignorance can recognize, but ignorance will argue with you if you call it stupid. Right. 
and that's how you know right. it's ignorant. Right. And, and so, and I think um, if I go back to Al Sharpton days at the Slave Theater, I, I remember something that always stuck in my mind that he said that he and when and if I can quote him correctly, is that he said, "You have to be careful about having a conversation with a fool." Right. And what he said was, when you're having a, if you're having a conversation with a fool, you recognize a person as a fool, then you are a bigger fool if you continue the conversation with the fool. There you go. And um, that's that's exactly what I was saying. I don't know where the disconnect was, but um, I'll give you an, another example of it. And uh, you tell me what you think. Uh, we both are familiar with street life i'm I'm not um a big time gangster or anything like that but i do know that you have to carry yourself a certain way in order to avoid um things that victims fall into you know, like being robbed being jumped being um suckered um i always tell myself I'm sucker free. And, you know, I can walk in any neighborhood and pretty much I am okay because I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. But I know, even knowing that, I know that there is no 100%. There's anybody can get got the strong the strongest gangster can get got in the streets. You remember those those things? Yeah, but so so I'll say this um, in terms of and I don't know if I want to label myself a, a gangster, but I definitely was a part of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, I think here's the difference, right? The difference is if you are going to associate and be a part of that lifestyle. It's one thing to be able to um, maneuver, you know, in that environment if you are not participating. If you're not participating in the lifestyle, you can you you can maneuver um, in the ends, in the going in and the coming out of that environment. You can do that safely because you don't necessarily present a threat to anybody because right. people know you aren't an active participant. Right. Now, the, the day that you and the time that you become a participant of that lifestyle, hmm. that changes or, or be perceived as a threat. In, it, 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 yeah, it changes your ability to be able to, hmm. to come in and go out in the way that you came in and went out prior to. Right. Now, if you make that analogy with uh, supreme wisdom, not even supreme wisdom, just the way you carry yourself is going to um is there's no guarantees so i have to keep reiterating that but just to get to the point the point is the way you think may determine for the most part how your life turns out a person that think thinks with a defeatist attitude may not have the success that one would hope for because of the way they think. Hmm. I think you're mixing two things and I want to be careful, right? Um, 
you talked about supreme wisdom and then you talked about defeatist attitude or mentality mm -hmm. those two things don't don't they don't correlate to me so are you trying to connect those things or are you talking about two different things i'm trying to make an analogy that the way you think can determine your outcome it doesn't guarantee it like a person that, that um that's a survivalist he's more likely to survive austere conditions in the environment lion tigers bears weather um famine any of those things because of the way he's been trained it gives him a slight advantage over the average citizen in survival mode you get what i'm saying <laughs> it's what yeah, what he was it was what he was taught that gives him the confidence to survive those austere or those harsh conditions whereas the normal yeah, citizen so it's just like um the people that that would die in a in a plane crash the reason that they die in these plane crashes if you survive the ultimate um crash and you're left on the ground those people that are not prepared for survival mode will be dead in one to three days it takes seven days without water to die but they would be dead in less time than that because they lack the knowledge of how to survive so there is an advantage to what you learn and what you what what you're willing to um endure are you saying that that's not possible or we have to be careful in saying that no i'm I'm not saying that i just want to be clear in me articulating what i think you're saying mm -hmm. and so tell me if um what i'm hearing and what i'm articulating to you is is what i'm hearing you say mm -hmm. right so first um i think supreme wisdom um is extremely um valuable mm -hmm. depending on how is you utilized. there you go and while I've seen it work and be effective in a number of people, I've also seen it be not effective. That is and correct. So I don't know that supreme wisdom was always manifested. I think that. But is 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 that non-effectiveness of the the fault of the 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 study, or is it the fault of the person? I think it's the fault of the individual. Thank you. Because that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> because, because we because can look because, at people in the 5% nation that are not benefiting from the study because yeah, but, but, but the thing but, 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 the, but the thing about knowledge is knowledge protects itself right Right. right? so it, and what I mean by that is it doesn't matter what supreme wisdom you're given right what, or, or no what, supreme really, wisdom at all it's whatever the right. knowledge you have and how you begin to think about yourself based on that knowledge. Right. And how, how, how you utilize it. Thank so you. you could have the same books, right? right? I could give, you could give me the same wisdom and you and I have, look, you've given me, you know, the lessons you've given me, the, uh, 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 you know, I, I constantly credit you 
um, so many different times. But one of the reasons why I'm on this podcast right now is because of the love and respect that I have for you. Because Thank of the you, wisdom sir. you've imparted <laughs> upon me. I always want to be humble enough to say that, you know. Um, and, and, <clears throat> and, and, and just saying that what the wisdom was able to do for me and how it changed my life. Right. So that, that's that's but that's me. But then there's other people that may have been exposed to the same wisdom, you know, and intellect that you imparted upon me and maybe not have done the same thing. But right. what it did for me right. was it changed my perception of who I was. It changed the direction of my life. It changed how I saw myself. And so it empowered me to be the God that it told me that I could be. Right. So I I believed enough in the teachings to believe that I was a God that the teachings taught me about. Right. And that's all I'm trying to impart to the people that may be listening to the to the um broadcast. Um it, take it the, the way you will. Um you can put a caveat or a warning on onto that. Um but I guarantee you that the majority of people that are willing to change the way they think can have a positive, impactful life that um, not even racism can affect. I, 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 I'm, yes. I'm always reminded of Dr. Khalid. He didn't live his life as if he was a downtrodden um, victim of racism. He empowered himself based on this victimization to be able to speak to people without having a beat behind his, his words and have more effective communication with black people than any record, any television program, anything. If you didn't even like him and you got an opportunity to sit down to one of his lectures, when you came out of that lecture, whether you liked him or not, you had to give him credit for what he said to you. And to Western civilization, this was blasphemy. He was banned from the Senate on what he said. But if you were black and you knew the, the, the situations that we face on a daily basis, you didn't see what he said as racist. Which brings us back to how we opened this podcast based on um, our understanding of how racism works. We can't cure racism. Because that belongs to the, uh, the the people that are carrying it out. But what we can do is the way we think and carry ourselves is to make those corrective measures. And maybe it don't work. But I guarantee you that there would be a majority that don't succumb to the very things that racism is supposed to inflict upon you. It is it, it racism is supposed to inflict subjugation, inferiority on you, and in order to break that hole on you, you have to have a different understanding 
of who you are and who not only who you are because you could have oh i'm god and all this is right but master this book that i put in front of you master this um driver's license test master this uh, job interview then you can prove to me that you go you understand it's it's not simply um a saying it's your actions and thoughts yeah so i i i agree i think that um with a better knowledge of, of self you definitely put yourself in a situation to avoid a lot of the racist um um intentions or attacks that may uh that you may encounter i don't think that you can avoid them 100 percent living in america but i think that you can definitely put yourself in a better position to win or you know or to be more effective based on your understanding of who you are based on um the teachings or best based on the knowledge based on the knowledge of self i definitely believe that um but again it when it, when you are um, exposed to someone who doesn't have that knowledge of self, or when you're exposed to a racist cop who doesn't know who you are, whether you are Malcolm X, whether you're Dr. Khalid Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, whether you, me, or my, my child, or your child, they don't know that. All they see is a black face. So the manifestations of your teachings then may or may not help you depending right. on but why. those are the exceptions those are not the rule what what's the exception the lewis gates professor lewis gates is the exception his none of his knowledge or, or standing in the community was able to help him that's the exception in most cases yeah it- yeah, and, and, and so I'm just using an example of, of, right. of a black kid driving down the street. Right, right? but what so, we don't want to do is make it seem like um, those exceptions are the rule. They're not the rule, and there is a way to combat racism. I don't, I don't hear you saying that there's a way to combat racism. You're saying it's problematic to think that way, and I'm wondering why you're kicking back. You say you say that I'm saying that it's problematic right. to <laughs> like instead of um, saying um, that that there is a way to combat it. You're 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 giving the warnings of what can happen, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you make it seem like like it's undefeated. Racism is undefeated. Okay, so I just want to be clear, right? I so I want I, I want to be clear in, in saying that I don't believe that racism can be defeated in America, right? I don't believe that. I don't think you can stop people from being racist. I think that what you can do as an individual is you can learn to protect yourself against racism. Which is what I said. I don't think you have any control over somebody else being racist. That's what I said. 
so where, 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 where? That's why I was wondering where the disconnect came from. <laughs> like, I'm saying the same thing you saying. Okay, so I just want to be clear. So, uh, okay, so. And that's when you brought up the example of Louis Gates. But that is the exception to the rule. That is not the rule. And we. No. Go ahead. Go no, so 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 my point was that I don't know. I I think that somewhere online, I think I heard you talk about combating racism, right? Yes. Or alleviating racism, right? And my point was that I don't think it's possible to alleviate racism, right? And so I think if right, the which is why I said we have to alleviate the mindset. It's no guarantee that, oh, it's 100% cure. It's like you can't cure herpes. But you can alleviate the symptoms. There's an argument for that. Right. That too. But you can alleviate the symptoms. You don't have to suffer from the symptoms anymore. It's the same thing with AIDS. It's like, how did you become a better chess player, brother? Something in you had to change. To make you a better chess player, what was that? Right. So, but but I'm just simply saying this, right? And before I say this, I want to I want to read another <laughs> quote, right? Mm-hmm. The burden of greatness. If two people are thinking alike, somebody ain't thinking. Hmm. Okay. And and so what I'm saying to you is this: while I hear your point. Right, I'm just trying to share with you a different perspective, and my different perspective is not—it's not to agree or disagree, right? Because I always say, you know, and, I, and, and as much as I can say, you know, I always respect your intelligence and your wisdom, mm-hmm. right? But my different viewpoint is is not to counter or to um, uh, um, to to downplay what you're saying. I'm just I'm just offering a um, another perspective or an additional perspective, and my additional perspective is I'm my additional perspective is I don't believe that racism, regardless of what you know, whether it's supreme wisdom or whether it's black consciousness or black thought, whatever it is that you know, I don't think that you are going to be able to alleviate racism or someone that is racist. And that's I where we that agree. More effective in how you deal with them. But it's not going to and stop that's what I right. said. <laughs> okay, uh, we're at the thirty-minute mark in the effing universe, and we'll be right back. You can stay on Zoom because uh, we got unlimited on there. I'm just gonna press the record button again. Um, we'll be right back after these messages. Peace. Must have pressed the button. Okay, we are back in DF Universe. We were off air for a minute. Um, we are back. Continue, brother. No, you 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 were asking me the name of time when um, you, you said that the nation were was invite was advised not to participate in those type of panels, and I was 
saying that I remember distinctly. Um, no, not not there. to engage in those type of panels because we're on those type of panels all the time. You see Nuri Muhammad, Wesley Muhammad, um, Jabril Muhammad. Oh, they're all on those panels at different times. What he told us not to engage in was to try to have an argument with people. If people are going to argue, that is when you have to remove yourself from the situation. When Minister Farrakhan spoke at that summit, people tried to interrupt him. It was people on the panel like Dick Gregory that had to tell them, whoa, whoa, this is the minister you're talking to. You can talk, but don't don't interrupt him. He gave you your... um, uh, what was the, the sister name? She she has a YouTube channel. Yarnell was on one of those panels, and oh, she she went in about fem- feminism with um, Minister Farrakhan, and she wouldn't stop. And he said, "Sister, I let you talk, and now I w- I wish to respond." And she was like, "Oh no 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 no, bitch!" He never took it to that level that she was taking it he humbly said okay it was somebody else on the panel that had to tell her wait a minute sister you've gotten in your points you have to let him respond that's not how we're going to have a black power discussion we're not going to be back and forth back and forth if we don't agree on something we're going to move on That is the intelligent thing. That is the productive thing to do in a black power discussion. If you don't agree on something, move on. That is what we participate in as members of the Nation of Islam. We don't participate in arguing back and forth. Brother, you got it. Sister, you got it. If that's what you believe, let's move on to another point. You didn't see that with with uh, Minister Farrakhan. You you see him arguing back and forth with anybody in any summit? No, 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 no. I, my 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 only point was that I've seen him on panels, and I've seen various members of Nation of Islam in on panels. Not whether or not they engage in terms of going back and forth, but whether or not they get whether or not they were on panels where those type of discussions happen. That's what I thought. I I I never seen Minister Farrakhan stoop to that level, and that was the example that he got from Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad said, "Why are we arguing with them, brother? We have a nation to build." Yeah. Oh, we're yeah, so, so. we're African. <laughs> oh, we're this. Oh, we're that. Okay, brother, you go right ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so my, my point was. Not whether or not they went back and forth with anyone, but whether or not they participated, whether or not they were um, on panels where that type of thing happened. That was that was just my point. Right. And when when Khalid, because Khalid would argue down, but the minister always tried to remind Dr. Khalid, Khalid, what has that got to do with us building a nation 
we have to put ourselves in a position to make the next move. You're keeping us in this position that says that we are this this type of people. We are not understanding of other people's culture, other people's um, systems of governing, that we don't respect any of that because of what we know. We don't evolve either. That would make us just like, like the Muslims that say that we don't have a religion. We don't pray five times a day. That would make us them. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us specifically, we are not Arabs. We are not them. We are not people that have camels and oil. We That is not being disrespectful. That is who they are. And they wish to push on us their way of life, and that is not our experience in black America. We we didn't have that experience of um, Allah blessing them with oil. We ain't got no damn oil. We just got us niggas here and these just coming out of slavery. There's a different experience, and so there has to be a different teaching for us. Excuse my passion, brother. Oh, that's fine. Um, so, I, so I'm not sure the question that you're asking of, of me then. The, the question was, how do we combat racism? And I thought we agreed that there is no cure on the part of the people that are exhibiting the tyranny or demonstrating the tyranny against us. We can't focus on them. We got to focus on our own understanding of how to get rid of it. Or either that or we accept the fact that we are the victims of racism. Are we to accept it or not? Well, I don't know that accepting being victims, victims of racism Um. I don't know that I like that terminology, um, but I think that um, accepting that racism exists, I think is one thing, but being a victim of it is something different because being a victim of racism relinquishes power to be able to change things within what we can do. So I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I don't agree with the ideology of seeing ourselves as victim of, victims of racism, but being able to change racism, I don't know that we can change racism. I think racism will always exist. I think that what we can do is we can create laws on the book to prevent people from being racist. Um, but people can think and feel the way that they want to feel. I don't think that we can change that. But I think legally what we can do is is change how racism affects us as a people. And the question then becomes, when did I say that? I'm not saying that you said that. I'm just responding to the question you asked me. Right. And when you respond, it implies or infers that I am saying that we can cure them of racism. Never said that. I'm saying, what can we do? And the what, what can we do is based on us having a different perspective not their perspective. 
You're giving me their perspective, and based on that perspective, we need to have laws in place. That is empowering in one aspect, but it's not empowering in terms of there is no response to racism other than putting a law in the book. What if they don't follow the law, brother? We have time and time again had them have laws on the book and we still got to go to court. We still got to get the death penalty. We still got to be marginalized in our communities. We still got to be banned in the Senate and the Congress. How is that the only thing that we can think about in terms of black power? This is a black power discussion. How could we be that limiting? Well, you can storm the Capitol. I'm going to tell you like the, the 5 percenters say now, non-cypher God. <laughs> That's a non-cypher. I, I, don't know, I don't know how extreme you, you want to be with this, bro. We don't have to be extreme at all. That's what I've been saying all of these podcasts. We don't have to be extreme. We have to master ourselves. Is that right or wrong? It doesn't guarantee that, that that mastery of self is going to stop racism. I never said that. It's not going to, the mastery of self is not going to guarantee you that you don't get stopped by police. None of that is the issue here. Why are we focusing on that instead of focusing on the mastery of self? The law of averages says that if you master yourself in any discipline, that you can become a master of that discipline. Is that right or wrong? Well, I like the way you utilize that terminology about mathematics. I, I think that's um, clever. I think that's. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's interesting. Um, but I don't know how effective I think it is. I think that it, it, it in terms of the way that you so, say. Go ahead. I, I I think in the way that you say that, um, and you say it very mathematically, right? Um, but being able to apply that to real life is where I think it becomes problematic, right? Um, because it, it it sounds so excuse me, it sounds so scientific, it sounds so mathematical, and people need to do one, two, and three. And these things will happen. But to me, that's not realistic. I, I, I like the way it sounds. Um, I like the way it looks um, in, in, in the supreme wisdom mathematics. I, I get that. But outside of that, how are you applying that? Right? I'll give to me. You. you know, so if, if you're going to live as rigid um, as the science says, or as the lessons say, if if that's how you're going to live you live your life or try to live your life, you can be as mathematic as you want. I think, um, 
and, and try to apply those things. But I don't know outside of that box how that's going to work. I'll take you back to the uh, example that I gave when we were off the record. Um, I spoke of the person that takes everything literal is not going to make it. The law of averages says that that person that is not a, have, have does not have the ability to adapt is not going to make it because things change. I have never said that the supreme wisdom, the actual book, the actual words are the key to ending racism. Never made that. I'm saying that there's a different mindset. When you look at the Muslims in uh, Saudi Arabia and you look at the Muslims in the nation of Islam, there's a big difference. And the reason there's a big difference is because we're in a different environment. We don't have the luxury of wealth here. So we can't think like them over there or we're just going to look like them. We're not going to look like us here trying to combat racism. So you can be as pious as you want and there are Muslim communities right here in America that are pious, immaculate mosques gold on the ceiling of the mosque just like they have in Saudi Arabia but you tell me how much power they have for black people here in America so it's about adaptability not about what is so I've never said but you implied that I did that we have to stay to strictly this I am saying that supreme wisdom is whatever you learn, being able to adapt it to modern day and time. So nothing of what Elijah Muhammad said, nothing of what Farrakhan said, nothing of what Khalid has said is going to be effective today if we do not adjust. Do you agree with that or disagree? I feel a little baffled um, about what you're saying because I don't know. Um, I, I I feel like it, when I hear you say that I am um, indicating that you are saying X, Y, Z, I don't know that that's what I'm saying. I, I, I but I feel like I, I I feel I feel like you feel like I'm attacking what you're saying. No. And that's not what I I'm said either. Like I, I don't feel like I'm doing that. And then I feel like you're saying that I'm indicating something that I'm not indicating that you have said. So right, I, that's what I'm I, saying. I, yeah. So I, I I feel a little lost in terms of that because I don't know what it is that you feel that I'm indicating that you have said. I have just tried to articulate my perspective and. But my perspective is not an indication of anything that you've said. Right. Which goes back to the point of what you made earlier, that only a fool would um, 
argue. So you're right in that sense. The only reason I'm responding the way I am is because I recognize <laughs> being called a fool. <laughs> you got me there, brother. <laughs> oh, so so if, if so if that's the case, then let me first apologize because I, I did not mean that it, it, as it relates to you at all. Right. But I, right. So that 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 was not uh, a jab at you at all. Right. The, Understood. It, it, Never is. But but do yeah, we so do we understand? Back to my point um, of us getting in a room, and the agenda is a black agenda, black power discussion, and all of a sudden it gets reduced down to what I've seen today or experienced today. I'm saying in DFN universe, this universe that we are in, that we don't want to ever be engaged in what I saw on other podcasts. I want this podcast to be different from that. That even when we may somehow get an incorrect inference on my part, I apologize for that, that we waste the time of the people although it's more interesting you'll get more views for that argument that we have back and forth nothing about black power is achieved during that one hour discussion nothing about black power is achieved during that one hour discussion because they got caught up on a word they got caught up on an inference on my part I apologize they got caught up in this discussion instead of bringing it back to this. I don't want that type of product because I seen it in other venues or other platforms. And I'm like, why are y'all arguing about that? Why are we still discussing colorism, racism? Um, what was the other thing that they brought up? Who had who had the the most suffering? The people on the Caribbean islands, the people in South America who who suffered more under white supremacy. I'm like, does it really matter who suffered more? Where's the discussion of some type of Food that we can give to an audience that's different. I wouldn't give a crap if we only had one person listening. I would take that one person listening over people being entertained by us going back and forth arguing. <laughs> Maybe I'm dumb. <laughs> Maybe I don't see the product, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I'll take that. Yeah, so I, I I agree. I think it depends on the, the angle, but I think that um, you open um, every session with um, black power thinking. Right. Black power thinking does not necessarily mean uh, agreeing. You know, black power thinking just means. I mean, we have three individuals on the line right now. 
that, you know, doesn't mean that we are monolith, monolithic in terms of the way that we think, you know, but we can have a conversation in terms of black power thinking. I can give my perspective. You can give yours. Sister Ebony can give hers, you know, and that to me is the power of black power thinking. Um, we don't all need to sit here and agree all the time in terms of methodology or just, you know, agree, you know, uh, not necessarily about methodology, but um, in terms of how we see things, we can agree to disagree and still have a healthy conversation. And I want you, we're at the 21 minute mark in DF and universe. One hour of black power thinking. I want you and any listener that will indulge me to listen back at this episode as some type of homework for next week and make your own assessment of what took place. We um, are going to end this podcast right here. We are at 5.09 a.m. Brothers, stay on the line. We'll have another discussion for a couple of minutes before we depart. As we never depart, um, um, as we did in the nation, as they do in Muslim circles all over the world, never depart um, in, what do they call it, in disagreement? (laughs) Or disharmony. Right. So we'll fix that right after these messages. And to the rest of the universe, thank you for listening. And listen back to this and see if we have any production or productive conversation when we get stuck on things. Peace. Peace.